C.S. Lewis says, joy is the serious business of heaven. Because Hebrews 12.2 says that it was the joy that was set before him, enduring the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Joy is serious business. Our Savior sacrificed his life to defeat sin and death forever. For each of us, our sins are cast as far as the east is to the west. We have his righteousness, which brings reconciliation with the living God. We will never, ever, ever be separated from God again for all of this life and for all eternity. This is joy. This is our joy. So I have three points that the Lord, um, an outline the Lord plopped in my head while Tim was teaching one Sunday. Like literally like this. And I was like, oh, that's for the Sunday. So the f- I was listening, but that just came. So <laughs> the first um, point we're going to discuss is um, Satan. Who He is opposed to joy. So one of Satan's names means the enemy of God, and he has been the enemy of God since the beginning of time. Therefore, he makes, that makes him the enemy of us. And if God is the author of life, both physical and spiritual, then we can clearly see the enemy of God would be the opposite of life, both physical and spiritual. He is the enemy of humanity. Have you forgotten that in your day? You know it doctrinally. This is where we kind of have to keep that discipleship is, goes from doctrinally to spirit. Um, and by the way, a lot of this tonight, today is not new news. It's just reminders. You know, Tim says so many, we need to be reminded all the time because we wake up tomorrow. <laughs> it's like Groundhog Day. Um, in John 10.10, 10, <laughs> if you've seen that movie, Tim loves. Well, who's the guy in that? What? Who's the guy in that? Yeah. Um, in John 10.10, 10, we learn of Satan's plans and desire for anything God created. And Jesus is the one that told us the thief came to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And in 1 Peter 5.8, we learn that um, we are to be sober and alert because our adversary, the devil, he's prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour. So kill, steal, destroy, and devour. That's his plan for humanity. If joy only comes through our Savior, then again, the opposite of joy is Satan, and then all he stands for is opposite of joy. Our pastor in Charlotte, he used to say, you can't know how good the good news is till you know how bad the bad news is. And that's why this is our first point. We can't forget. And the Lord tells us to be vigilant. We are to be vigilant about knowing these things. Um, in 1 John 5.19, it tells us that we know that we are of God, right? We know that we are of God, and the, but the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, even your nice neighbor on the side of you. Like Trevor said, they can be nice and have godly qualities, but it's in vain. Typically, it's a self sort of reason. Um, so, and we were once there. We can't forget that either, right? We were once under the sway of him, although we would never probably say, oh, it was under the wicked one, um, before the true joy was birthed in our life. And we're going to go through quickly some of the names of Satan, just a couple, to remind us when we go home 
oh, that's a lie, oh, that's a this, oh, that's who he is. We are vigilant and aware. So Satan means adversary, and adversary means standing in opposition to everything holy. Our flesh was in opposition to everything holy before we were saved. The devil is another name, and the devil literally means slanderer. He, um, slanderer means one who attacks the reputation of another. In the garden, Satan, or the devil, slandered God's character towards Eve, and she believed him. And, the, and, the, and he slanders us. It says in Revelation that the accuser of the brethren. It says he's been thrown down, but he's called the accuser of the brethren. So when you feel those accusations that are contrary to what the word says about you, that's an alarm. Oh, I really shouldn't be listening to that. I got to die to that. Um, he's a tempter. He tempts people to sin. He knows the weaknesses of our flesh, our mind, our body, and spirit, and he tempts us in those areas. That's why, again, he tells us to be vigilant. In Genesis 3, it says sin lies at the door and it's crouching and its desire is for you. He's a liar and the father of lies, and Jesus made it clear that Satan always lies. He speaks lies, Jesus says. He says, Jesus says, because he is a liar and the father of the lies. He originates lies. And we wonder why it's a commandment. Do not lie. It comes from the mouth of the enemy. He originates lies. When you speak a lie, it came from Satan. Well, you had a choice. Let me just not. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, I think, says we give the enemy way too much. You know, we blame him for so many things. <laughs> we got to own some stuff, ladies. That's how we walk. So murder. And John, it says he was a murderer from the beginning. And then in the New Testament, we know that if we hate or are angry, that's murder in our heart. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, in whom the God of this age, oh, also his name is God of this age, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. That was us. Remember when you were blinded? And the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's in the image of God, should not dawn upon them. That gives you compassion. The, he's called the ruler of this world. Um, meaning the world is still characterized by sin. In John 14, 30, Jesus says, I'll no longer talk much with you for, for the ruler of the world is coming and he has no power over me. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Don't fear these things, but be aware. You know, when they do battle, they got to know the plans of the enemy. So we've, these are the plans. His names are our plans. He's also the deceiver, as we see in the garden, crafty, sneaky. He's not like, hey, sin over here, you know. It's, it can be, it can be, but it can be very craft. It's sneaky. So some of our physical actions and thoughts, who we were before Jesus, I just want to run through. And this is not for shame. If you feel shame, then you need to ask God to help you understand his mercy. When you remember who you were, it should lead to thanksgiving that you are not that person anymore. I'm not saying shame doesn't sort of sneak in, but you can't live in that. That keeps you from God. When you remember and you are just thankful, that's like a conviction. You're like, oh, thank you, Lord. So um, this is through a couple of the scriptures. Um, and Trevor read some on, or somebody read some on Fruits of the Spirit. 
So while under the bondage of flesh and the enemy, our works were evident. Evident. (laughs) You probably remember. Adultery, idolatry, sexual immorality, lust, uncleanness, lewdness, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissension, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, evil thoughts, coveting, pride, foolishness, and the like. That's who we were. Do you guys remember that? I think our spiritual condition is even worse. We were an enemy in our mind against God, Colossians 1.23 says. We were an enemy. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, Ephesians says. We were unforgiven and unclean, Isaiah says. Spiritually speaking, we were blind, lame, and paralyzed, it says in John. We were separated from God, and our sins had hidden his face from us, Isaiah says. We sat in darkness. We didn't even know it. And the shadow of death. I went to church my whole life. I would have told you I was a Christian because I, be- I wasn't anything else. And I was sitting under the shadow of death because he was not my savior. I did not surrender to him. I did what I wanted. We were excluded from Christ. Excluded from Christ. We had no hope. We did not know peace. And our et- eternal future was hell. Ephesians 2, 1, 3 says, Who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. That's why we can't live like that now. Fulfilling the desire of the flesh and mind. That's why we can't live like that now. It wasn't good for us, and it doesn't please the Lord. Of course, we were separated. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That was our life. But God. Glory to God, right? (laughs) The rest of that is same verse, or, or same portion in Ephesians, going further, literally right in a row. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ. And he raised us up together and he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through your faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. Isn't that glorious? Glad tidings of great joy. A Savior who is Christ the Lord is born. And in uh, Luke, it also says, that was Luke 2, and in Luke 1, it says, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. This brings us to our second point, Savior, the joy of our salvation. Everybody can take a deep breath. (sighs) It was funny, I was reading the Old Testament, and it was like, you read through the kings, and they're just like, judges or everybody's horrible and then finally you get to Josiah and I was like thank you God like he followed God and I just was like I didn't realize how heavy it was to keep reading and then finally you see somebody who follows the God and you're like oh that's kind of how I felt when I was doing this um I also want to clarify when we get to sanctification um we're all working out our salvation 
this is, I'm just right there with you guys. Like, I'm not preaching at you. We're learning. So, but um, Savior, the joy of salvation. Messiah means Savior, and that means deliverer. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, it is a trustworthy statement. It's trustworthy, and it deserves full acceptance. That's full faith. That's full truth that Christ Jesus came into this world as a baby. It doesn't say that. I added it. To save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Born to die for us, he was. Born to die. His life brought his death, and his death brought us life. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him is not going to perish, but will have eternal life. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, it says, caused us to be born again to a living hope. Do you hear how many words that is? There's blessed, great mercy, born again, living hope, through nothing else but the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Did you know that the Hebrew word for a mother's womb is Raham? I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. And the root of this word means mercy. Isn't that the beautiful, most beautiful thing? In the Old Testament, the womb was literally the place of mercy. The woman's body was the embodiment of mercy. And we saw it in Jesus. He came, that's why he was born through flesh. He could have come a million ways. But he was born because the womb is mercy and he is mercy. Side note, we wonder why the womb now is the opposite of mercy. A book I was reading says that the womb is one of the most dangerous places to live now. It, it's more deaths than cities. The womb is the most dangerous place to live now. Satan is using mankind to fight hard to show no mercy to that womb. Jesus came to give mercy. He came through Mary. God made him who had no sin be our sin. That in him, we get to become righteous. That's amazing. Have you ever gotten a gift like that ever? Mm -mm. The worst thing about the cross for the Lord was the sin he took on for us caused a separation from the Father. The Father can't look on sin. And he took, he was our sin. He took on our sin, as you know. And the worst thing was that caused the separation for him. Do you look at this as the worst thing that's happened in your life? When you were apart from God, would you say that's the worst thing that's ever happened in your life? Would we live differently if we did consider this? We need to practice keeping that as perspective when we have the worst day ever. <laughs> have you ever seen Tim Hawkins do the worst? That's the worst. And he starts going through the minors who are stuck. The girl's like, my iPhone is dead. That's the worst. <laughs> and he starts going through the whole minors that were stuck underneath the thing. And he's, and he's like, wow, you know. Um, for when we were without strength, I want you guys to hear all the things we did not have and own in all the sin and what he did. When we were without strength, in due time Christ died for we were ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For when we were enemies, 
we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, that's what it says, <laughs> like that's enough. Not only that, but we also rejoice, this is what we're talking about, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. We are now one. This reconciliation is our joy. That's it. This is our joy. Psalm 1611 says, the word of God, or, yeah, Psalm 1611 says, in his presence, you know this verse, is, is, it's a present, the fullness of joy. Without our salvation, there is no hope to be in the presence of Christ, no joy. So in his presence, there's fullness of joy. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, then your sins are forgiven. You're born again by the Spirit. You can go all you want into his presence. Do you? You can go all you want to the throne of grace. Do you? All you want. Like, we are never separated from him. That is a thought to never forget. So now, as we were talking about with Satan, now what are we like? Now what gifts do we get? Now how do we walk? We acquire the mind of Christ now because we have been reconciled. And the actions of Christ as a disciple of God, we acquire those because now he's dwelling in us. So we get to walk in these things, these new, this new life. And um, some of them are we get to walk in the fruits of the Spirit, right? We get to walk in love, and we get to walk in joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We get to. You may not, but now we get to. Sometimes I'm just blown away with the thought that I get to be kind. Like, I get to be kind. Before I was saved, I didn't, I didn't get to be kind because my flesh ruled me. Or let's say um, patient or whatever you want to pick. Let's just use kindness. I now have a choice because I have the power of Jesus Christ who is kind. I get to be kind to someone who's not kind to me. I don't have to respond how they respond now. I might have before, right? And we shouldn't. That's the progress we do. That's the progress. But, like, when you know the end thing, oh, we shouldn't. You know, isn't it good to, like, know the rule? It's such a blessing to have the Bible with all these do's and don'ts. Not that it's um, bounding. It actually frees us, you know. And so we get to be kind when something is not, someone or anything is not kind or patient with us. We get the choice. We get compassion because Jesus is compassionate. We get to think upon things that are true, that are lovely, that are noble, right, pure, and praiseworthy. Before we were, when we were unsaved, we didn't get that choice. We didn't know to think about those things. Whatever came to our mind, we didn't know, oh, you, you, you can capture this thought. And Jesus Christ, you lay it down. We didn't know all that. Just whatever we were thinking, we, get, we had to think. And we get to set our mind on things above, not on things below. And remember when you were not saved, you didn't know there was any other life. It was just what you could see every day. We get to actually go above that and, and live in the heavenlies and, and see in the heavenlies and, and walk by faith. That to me, faith is an amazing gift. It's not easy, but it's an amazing gift. I feel like when you're unsaved, you are so stuck in right here. We aren't. 
we have ways through the Spirit and through the Bible and prayer, and we'll get to that. But spiritually speaking, the gifts we've been given um, are so amazing, kind of like the horribleness of the spiritual gifts being unsaved. Spiritually speaking, when we're saved, I'm going to go through them. We have access now to the living God through prayer. The Spirit of God dwells in us, 1 Corinthians 3. We know true love. We don't know this world's lustful, inappropriate love. And we had that. We know what true love is. We have his instructions to righteousness. We are forgiven and cleaned in Ezekiel. We are one with him in the Spirit, 1 Corinthians. We can see now, John 9 says. We walk by faith now and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5. We have hope. 2 Corinthians 3. We participate in his divine power, so we have every single thing the Bible tells us that pertains to life and godliness. 2 Peter 1. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Ephesians 1. We have abundant spiritual life on earth. John 10. We have peace. Psalm 29. And we have the joy of our salvation, Psalm 914, which says that I may tell of your praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in your salvation. There's so many more things. But this moves us on to my third point, which is sanctification. And that is remaining in joy. That's the hard part. (laughs) But it's good that we know who we were. Who saved us? This is what the remaining in joy is going to be. The gist of this is when you remember your salvation and you remember what you, who you were and you remember what he saved from, we'll get into this. I'm probably repeating. It's easier to die to your flesh because he's worthy. With that thought, and that's kind of the heart of today. So just to quickly say, tell you, sanctification is a progressive work of God. Progressive. Don't get so like this when you don't get it right. God knows you're weak, and that's why he gave you mercy. It's a process in which God uses the circumstances of our everyday life to draw us to him. This abiding, as we are drawn to him because of something that happens in the day, not just because, but because of his love, this abiding, it produces fruit that lives, that helps us to live like Christ, and this kind of living sets us apart to bring God glory. We remain in joy because we remain in fellowship with Christ, then we look different than the world. Even going through suffering, we look different. We're a peculiar people, the Bible says. That's true. Are you here today and you have forgotten the joy of being saved? Have you forgotten the joy of being saved? Have you forgotten that you are a work in progress? That you don't have to get it right. That is mercy's new today. That was my phone. I'm like, who's texting me? Everyone's here. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but have you forgotten that you're a work in progress? If you have, God is so graciously again in his mercy. He's given us a verse to pray. And I have been praying this for you if you have. Uh, it says, um, Psalm 51:12, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore. And it doesn't say bring back because it went away. 
It didn't go away, and we'll get into that, because Jesus doesn't leave you. Restore, reconcile, reconcile. We can reconcile every day in the midst of a fleshly moment. We can reconcile back to God. Um, So restore to me the joy of my salvation. Maybe you haven't forgotten your salvation. Maybe you remember it on Wednesday nights. Maybe you remember it Sunday mornings. (laughs) Maybe you remember it when you're in your daily word, and then you stand up, and you leave it back there, and you go about your day. You leave church, and you go about your day. Maybe that's a way, something that you do. Does the thought of our salvation and our Savior get lost in the day? Are you looking out at the enemy all around you instead of up? Are you looking down, heavy with weights of your life and cares, instead of looking up? Are you looking in? <laughs> that's usually what it is. Are you looking in at yourself, distracted? by yourself, your feelings. How do I feel about this? Your mood, your thoughts, your plans, your way, your will, instead of looking up through his perspective. We will always have cares in life. Always. Jesus tells us that. The enemy wants us to be distracted by them. But God, again, but God, the Lord wants to use it to draw us near, to walk in the Spirit to learn more of him. Most of our life isn't made up of huge tragedies, though they come and they actually can be life-changing in our walks, for good or for bad, as you may know, people. Um, Maybe who, when the life change came, like my grandfather lost his daughter and he just was really mad at God and just sort of walked away. But then you know many who it draws them near even more. It's life-changing. But typically, wouldn't you say that once you start walking with Christ, it's just the ebbs and flows of the day? That, that he wants to get those little places in you, the ebbs and flows of everyday life where we spend most of the time practicing living out the sacrificial life in the spirit. In the mundane, it seems to be the hardest. Do you agree? Just the daily grind life. We're like, Lord, I'll go on a mission trip for you. Lord, I'll live on the mission field. Somehow that seems easier. Oh, the enemy goes there too. He's like, no, honey, you need to just stay right here and work on those things here first. (laughs) Um, We can get, especially if you've been saved for a while, but not only, we get spiritually lazy. We lack contentment every day, can. We complain about everything and everybody. This is the world. This is where we're taking in a lot of the world. Christians are just complaining left and right. What are we doing? You know, like what are, I mean, we have to check ourselves, right? Um, we get impatient waiting on God. We get impatient waiting in line. Um, and I'm sure you're thinking of many other fleshly things in your mind. Fleshly foes, as I call them. And these are the places God wants in our life. These are the places that the rest of our life he's going to keep refining and, and sanctifying. Focusing on these foes fans the flame of flesh. I made that up. (laughs) I did. Let me say that again. I know. I was like, whoa. Well, I'm sure the Lord told me. I don't know if the Lord talks like that, but (laughs) focusing on the foes. In the day, let's say foe is flesh. Fans that flame. Oh, I am so mad at him. 
Oh, I am so mad at her. Oh, I am so sick of this line. You know what I mean? You're fanning it. You're like, yeah, feel that flesh. Remember when we read the, uh, remember when we read the, um, the scripture that says, like, we just lived according to our flesh. Like, we wanted that feeling. Like, you know, that's all we knew. Um, it's a sure way not to be in fellowship with the Spirit of God. It doesn't mean you are unsaved, you've lost your salvation. That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's you, be, you break the fellowship when you're in your flesh. How quickly we get back into the Spirit, that's the progress. How quick am I going to die to that? That's how quick am I going to be reconciled in that moment? Remember, we're reconciled forever, but in that moment. These foes quench the Spirit, and therefore they quench joy. Without these things being laid down, or in my case and maybe yours many times, pinned down, right? You're like, sometimes you're like, Lord, I lay my life down in this situation. Other times, you're like, Lord, I lay, uh uh-uh. Lord, I like, no. You know, and you're just like, I think of like wrestling. Like you're just, you know how you wrestled? Um, You're just pinning it down like, you know, you're going to stay there. Um. So many times, you know, you have to pin that flesh down on the altar throughout the day. But when we don't do this, again, it's a sure way to break fellowship with the Lord, and then it breaks fellowship with others. Because God made us relational. Like, literally everything has to do. He uses those people in your life to work out your salvation, doesn't he? Um, many times we blame the others. Well, a lot of times. Or the circumstance. For something they cannot control in us, joy. If we know joy is our Savior and our Savior lives in us, they can't control that. Um, I listened to a podcast, they're really funny, and she said this, but I changed it. She said, why doesn't everyone keep me in the mood to do my duties? (laughs) But I said, why doesn't everyone keep me in the mood to stay in the spirit? It's just as foolish. You need to act right so I live right. Thank you. (laughs) But we don't consciously think that. We roll through our day, but that's how we live. That is how we live. I live it. Like, I'm like, wow, if you guys weren't, my children are here. You guys are lovely. (laughs) Let me think of another example. Um, But we know feelings and people and circumstances do make it hard. Life makes it hard. Like, that's just not even, that's real. But this is life. Jesus tells us in this world we'll have troubles. I read a quote that says, Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. It's the presence of God. And it goes back to in his presence, that's the fullness of joy. We aren't promised the easy life, but we are promised a helper. Isn't that just glorious? As daughters of God, let's be intentional about living in the presence of God. Daily, moment, every, every moment, pleasing our Savior and practicing not coddling the flesh. We love to coddle the flesh. Fan in that flame. We can't forget our example that Christ set for us regarding how joy works. There's a pattern. The joy that was what? Set before him was the cross, and death brings life. And in like manner, we are now crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me, Galatians 5, or 2.20. So our joy remains, our joy remains, that's what we're talking about. It's how does it remain? 
because it's not a feeling, right? Joy, our joy remains when we daily live by the pa- this pattern. Sacrifice the flesh so we stay in obedience and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Dale Moody says the Lord gives his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. It's not magic, right? Don't we wish? It's not a quick, quick fix ever. Well, maybe sometimes. Um, it's not a pill. It's not a book. It's not a blog. Joy remains when we're in fellowship with the Spirit and we don't break it with our flesh. You will because you're human, but how quickly we get back to it. This is why joy is a choice to remain on the altar for the Lord. Joy is a choice. Will you remain on the altar for the Lord? That is why joy is not a feeling. (laughs) But do you know what? That is a beautiful aroma to Christ. It's a beautiful aroma when you pin that flesh down. And we can't forget this. We can't forget that joy is not a feeling. The flesh is the enemy of the spirit. We've learned this. We know it. So, which is why you don't feel awesome about dying to it. <laughs> you don't, it doesn't feel good because it's an enemy. It's battling. It hurts. It's exhausting. It's a battle. You get bruised. But he is worthy. And this is why we have to continuously remember our salvation, not just once. Not just monthly at the Lord's Supper, but daily, because he is worthy. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. But rejoice to the extent that you lay your flesh down on the altar, because then the Spirit comes through, the glory is revealed, and then you have your joy remaining. That's kind of what that verse says if you put it in, walking it out terms. That's 1 Peter 4.13. So we're going to go through some tangible ways to remain in the Lord. No, we're going to (laughs) go just, yeah. But tangible ways to remain in the joy of our Savior. None of this is um, new, but what I did was I took scriptures that worked with, with joy and salvation. So when you remember your salvation, your joy remains in the day. So in the day when you're in your flesh, you can go to the Word, right? Again, none of this is new. When we go to the Word... Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me, the joy, is his word a joy to you? The rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name. Remember, you can't be called by his name unless you're saved. So the Savior is the key here. And then, so you're in your flesh, you're like, Lord, I need to go to the word. Is that word, you've chosen the word over your flesh, you remaining in joy. You don't feel it, maybe, but that's pleasing to God. We can pray. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore, Psalm 1611. And again, you can get to this place in a second with prayer and in word. Lord, forgive me for what I just said. Right? Lord, forgive. I'm praying to him. Lord, forgive me for what I just said, what I just thought. There you are. You put your flesh on the altar, and you're now back in fellowship in the Spirit. We can sing to get there quickly. So we can go to the Word, we can pray, we can sing to get there quickly, to put that flesh on the altar. Sing to the Lord, praise His name, proclaim His salvation day after day. You see where joy, singing goes with salvation, goes with joy. 
That's Psalm 96.3. When we daily purpose to remember our salvation, Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. When you daily remember the garments of salvation, it says you're going to rejoice and your soul is going to be glad. So when your flesh is fired up and you remember, oh, Lord, you saved me, and you kind of go through that process, this says we'll have joy or we'll remain in joy. When we tell others of his salvation. So in the day you're in a funk, you're in your flesh, you're out, and the Spirit of God reminds you, start telling yourself first, then tell others. And you're right back in fellowship. You've laid that flesh on the line, on the altar, rather. Um, I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day, because I don't forget their limits. Oh, we forget their limits. But what we want to do is like kind of keep remembering scriptures like this, memorize them. When we believe by faith and not by sight in the day, so you see something that's coming, happening, your flesh gets all worked up. I mean, norm, I mean it's very normal, right? Because we're, we're then go, Lord. You know, you can say this verse: Though you have not seen Him, you love Him, and even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him. That's your faith, and then you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So you look at a situation that's coming in the day, your flesh starts coming out, one of the tools, oh, let me walk by sight. I mean, let me walk by faith. Because it says, I just laid my flesh down because I believe, Lord, that um, you love me and that I love you and that, that it, I'm filled with inexpressible and glorious joy because of that thought. When we trust him past our feelings, for our hearts shall rejoice in him because we've trusted in his holy name. At a moment that you're not trusting and, you rem and the spirit's like, you're not trusting me and you remember, oh, if I trust him, I'm back in fellowship with him. I'm not over here in the flesh and, and not trusting him. I'm back in fellowship. Joy remains. Again, not a feeling. Um, and then also Psalm 9.1 says, but I've trusted in your mercy my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. When we look in his perspective in a situation or in a feeling, you know, you start to have that flesh come up and you go, well, let me see this from God's perspective. You just put your flesh on the altar when you think that. And here's a verse for it. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, Romans 14, 17. So when you're in your day and you're like, the dinner burned. I'm just going to go with something very simple. I don't know. Something you're stressing out because you have nothing to eat. I do not know anything about this. I'm kidding. Um, it's not eating and drinking. Do you know? I mean? That's very surfacy. That's the point of this. It's so much bigger. And when you are in your flesh and you stop and you remember to see from his perspective, you're like, what am I getting freaked out about on this? This is, it's not about eating and drinking or these kids or my husband or this coworker or this. Um, whatever. Oh, it's so much bigger. Oh, it's about righteousness. So when we st stop and look at his perspective, right? When we choose to love him more than our flesh, and sometimes I literally say that, like if I, you've heard me say this sometimes, if I do not want to say I'm sorry to Tim because I'm mad, I'm like, Lord, I have to love God more than Tim because I'm like, you're not scaring me right now <laughs> to Tim, <laughs> you know, like, ah, I don't care. Like, I, that's how strong your flesh can be. Like, I don't care that you are mad at me. Or he's usually not mad at me. It's usually probably me. But um, 
So we, I have to, I've said, like the Lord has put this thought in my mind, do you love me more than your flesh? Oh, yes, Lord. Then you go and say you're sorry. That will make me go. That's laying your flesh down for Christ. And there's a verse that says, let all those who love your name be joyful in you. Your salvation, be joyful in Christ. Psalm 511, that was that. So also, in the day when you were suffering, you guys know Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18. Though the fig tree does not bud, though there's no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, there's no cattle in the stalls, yet I will, you see the choice? Rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in the God of what? My salvation, thinking of the cross, thinking of the Savior. Literally, there is nothing here to be thankful, no, no joy, no feelings in this. It's a choice. That's joy. When you have no strength, emotionally, physically, God says, don't sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah 8.10. Remembering that you're remaining in the spirit, that's your strength. That you're not leaning into that flesh. Coddling it, pursuing it. With anxiety. If you have anxiety and fears, the Bible says, in the multitude of my anxieties within me. Your comfort, it delights my soul. Does the truth that God lives in you and can comfort you in your anxiety, does it soothe your soul? Does it delight your soul? It gets you really quick back into the spirit or, or working that way, right? That's why the word of God is so important that we're in it because, you know, we can get all, I always say, you know, it says it's the plumb line. And I'm like, if my flesh is over here, I am so thankful that I don't live over here anymore. I have, I have truth that gets me back right to here in fellowship with Christ. And it's not easy, but. It's worth. It's worth it. He's worthy. And he knows what's good for us because we stay in bondage to that attitude, that flesh. And he's like, I need to break you of this. You need to be free. free so press through it. You know, sometimes I will stand in line at the store and I'm getting really frustrated in my flesh. Let's say I'm in a hurry. And sometimes I will just purposely say, I am so thankful for this long line, Lord. Thank you, God, so much. I will just do it so that my flesh practices Laying down. I will just, you guys do, you know what I'm saying? You do that? You will just purposely, because the Spirit reminds you this. I mean, I don't think of it. If I think of anything good, it's Jesus. So um, in the shower, I came up with this. <laughs> the Lord put this in my mind. Um, don't you love when I tell you? So this, this is if you don't remember anything else I say. You have the joy card in front of you. <laughs> And um, I came up with an, uh, what's it called, acrostic poem? Uh, acrostic? Of Savior, because we're talking about our Savior. When you are tomorrow, when you leave here, because I guarantee you leave here, you're going to get in your flesh. <laughs> you just will, right? When you leave here and you get in your flesh, you can't think of anything else. Think of the word Savior, and then we're going to go through this, basically what we learned today. So sin, save, S stands for sin, that's our natural condition, right? That was what we started with. A is atonement, sin Christ paid for our, us to be reconciled to God. Then we have victory. Power of Christ lives in us. Then we have his instruction now because we have not only his word, we have his spirit. That's our guidance for how to not live in the flesh anymore. 
Then we have a choice. That's your obedience, yielding. And then your joy will remain. That's how you stay in fellowship with the Spirit. So you can do this in a minute in your mind. Oh, Lord, thank you so much. Lord, forgive me for my sin that I just thought or said. Lord, um, thank you that you took this sin away from me, and I'm not that person anymore. Thank you, Christ, that you live in me now, and I have the will, I have your will, your power, and your characteristic. I have your words to teach me what I'm to do and how I'm to think in this moment right now when I'm, you know, in my flesh. Now I have a choice, Lord, and I'm going to obey you, and there, rejoice. There's how you stay in your joy. And I found this scripture that goes so well to me with this whole Savior. It's kind of like the scripture, um, if you want a scripture to go with this. And it says, Lord, I'll praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away. That's the sin part. And you comfort me. Behold, glory, I mean, behold, God is my salvation. That's your atonement. And I will trust and not be afraid. That's that victory. For God is my strength. That's some of the instruction. And he's my song. That's the instruction and has become my salvation. Therefore, here's the choice, with joy, I am going to draw water from the well of salvation. You will never, ever, 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 ever run out of that well. Remember what he said to the woman at the well? Oh, this water, you'll never thirst again. Daily, monthly, weekly, minute, (laughs) draw from it, right? So in closing, there shouldn't be a day that goes by where we don't purpose in our heart to remember the price Christ paid for our lives. We don't want to leave it on Sunday, on Wednesday, in the morning. The the price he paid for us. Because it changes us. It sets us apart that Jesus Christ is in us. And it glorifies him to the world. The psalmist says, those who love their salvation. Okay, do you love your salvation? We say it again. We say it. Oh, I love my salvation. It says, we'll continually say, let God be magnified. That's spirit and flesh. We know it. We've got to practice living it. As part of our homework, let's agree as sisters in Christ to practice here at Calvary or if you're visiting, just sisters in general. Let's practice. Not saying, even in our heart or mind, I don't have joy. I lost my joy. Let's practice not saying that because today we've learned something or we've been reminded of something and we're going to pray that he restores our salvation. So when we leave today, restoring your salvation isn't a process. It's just getting into the spirit. Sanctification is the process. So we are going to purpose that we, we we didn't lose our joy. Because the spiritual truth is past all feelings and real life, joy lives in us. He's his savior. You didn't lose it. <laughs> he didn't leave. So we don't want to say anymore, let, us, let it not be said of us that we said, oh, I've lost my joy. Nope, I need to get back into fellowship with the spirit. That's what we say. Oh, I'm in my flesh, that fleshly foe. Hudson Taylor said, it is the consciousness of the threefold joy of the Lord. So the joy of the Lord, he is in heaven conscious of this. This is what brings him joy. Is his joy in ransoming us. His joy in dwelling within us as our savior and power for bearing, fruit bearing. And his joy in possessing us as his bride and his delight. It is the consciousness of this joy which is our real strength. So as we know that Jesus' joy was everything that he did, ransomed us, lives in us, um, 
He loves us as his bride, possessing us. He's, you know, it says he's jealous for us. As we are conscious of this, which is what we've been talking about all day, that's our real strength. And our joy may fluctuate. Our joy in him may be a fluctuating thing, but his joy in us knows no change. He doesn't, doesn't run to you. I love you. You make me happy. Oh, run back. We do that. I love you, Lord. Emotions. Oh, Lord, I'm dry and crusty. Jesus' joy, <laughs> do you feel like that when you wake up? Like, you feel like, you, you feel spiritually like your bones fill. You're like, oh. Um, but we, he doesn't, the joy in us, oh, wait, his joy in us, his joy in us doesn't change. He's like, oh, I ransomed you. That's joy. Oh, I live in you. That's joy. What was the last one? I keep forgetting that one. Oh, he possesses us, which we talked about with the bride of Christ. That's his joy. We need to be conscious that that, you know, he's not mad at us. We're his. Again, we can quench the spirit. He can be grieved, you know. So my prayer for us, and it has been, I've been praying this for us, and I'm going to leave you with this. It's from the words of Jesus in John 15. And Jesus tells all of us right now before we partake in the Lord's Supper, he says, these things I've spoken to you, sisters, I'm saying that, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. That's what he says. So let's um, bow our heads. And I just want to see if anyone here has come and they don't know the Lord as their Savior. They don't realize that they are covered in sin, which has separated us from God. They've never seen that their sin separates us and that with that separation, if we were to die, we would be separated from him forever in hell. But that he loved us so much that he came to bring you to him. If there's anyone here today that feels um, the Spirit speaking to them in that, that's the Lord. That's not us. I just encourage you to raise your hand and we can pray with you right now for you to accept the Lord as your Savior and you to be a disciple and walk with him all the days of your life. He will wash you clean. We'll lead you in a prayer. I will. It's not my words. If there's anyone here. Lord, we just thank you, God. Sometimes thank you just doesn't seem enough, but you know our weakness, and you and it's enough. We thank you. You're calling us to obedience for our good and your glory. Lord, we know that you live in us, and you can help us do all these things. Your word tells us that you will will us and help us to do these things in your power, and apart from you, we can do nothing. We thank you, God. It is glad tidings of great joy to our soul that our Savior has been born. We bless your name. And, Lord, as now we go into the Lord's Supper, I just pray, God, as each of us take time to um, thank you and go over anything that you've spoken to their heart. And maybe there's repentance that needs to be done before you, Lord. Maybe there's just a heart of just joy, thanksgiving. Maybe there's someone here that needs to pray, restore to me the Lord, the joy of my salvation. Lord, I pray that we would just uh, commune with you and have this fellowship in this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.